Hey, it's Sarah, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by grant funding from the Kansas Department for Children and Families. Today, we're going to cover the basics of responsive caregiving for infants and toddlers. The content from this episode was taken from an amazing training written by my colleague, Ashley Webster. So after you listen and you want to know more, be sure to check out the Casito webpage for any upcoming offerings via Zoom or in your area. Okay, let's jump in. So how do infants and toddlers develop and learn? How do they communicate? How do they get their needs met? How do they engage in the social world? You know, playing, crying, pointing, screaming, smiling, laughing. How a child feels, their emotional motivations. This is what moves them to take action, to communicate, to engage with others. So it stands to reason that as providers, we must understand that emotions drive early learning. As we've talked before in many episodes, children learn best within relationships, right? And in those relationships is where they learn cognitive skills and social strategies to get those emotional needs and motivations met. So when we respond to their emotional needs, we are building relationships with the children so that they can learn. In order to respond to their needs, we need to know what their emotional needs are, right? And as all that learning goes, we want to consider some of the characteristics of social emotional development for infants and toddlers. So when we talk about infants and toddlers, we break it down into three categories, young infants, mobile infants, and then toddlers. So young infants are that zero to seven months. They're concerned with security, feeling safe, protected and cared for by a trusted adult. A young infant needs consistent, loving contact with the provider, you know, to have consistent nurturance so the infant can feel confident that someone is there who will provide for their needs. And then that mobile infant, so seven to 16 months, when they feel secure, again, from that young stage, that young infant stage, they become consumed with exploration and looking for validation confidence and reassurance from trusted adults, right? They need a safe and interesting environment in which to explore messages from us as adults and the environment that they can venture out and then return for safety, space to move, materials they can hold and manipulate, opportunities to experiment and take risks in that safe, interesting, and healthy way. And then finally, we have toddlers that 16 to 36 months Right now they're beginning to explore their power of self, right? As independent, dependent, and interdependent. And they do this by interacting and negotiating with others as they're learning about themselves. They're learning about choices that are available and to understand the responsibility that comes with those choices. As you know, they're consumed with those issues of me and mine. That toddler motto, if I saw it, I want it, it's mine. And then, of course, learning the rules of social behavior and engagement. So now that we have a little more information about what motivates infant and toddler social and emotional learning, let's talk about how we provide it. As we mentioned above, and in many other episodes, the child's needs, interests, curiosity, and motivation should play the most significant role in guiding our selection of learning experiences, materials, content, 
content environment setup. So basically, what I'm talking about here, which came for for this episode, is responsive caregiving. Responsive caregiving is one of the most effective ways to meet the emotional needs, social and emotional needs of infants and toddlers to help them learn and grow. Responsive caregiving is that provider that's focused on learning about each individual child. You know, it's based on, it's relationship-based experiences. It's supportive interactions, you know, supporting that child's internal motivation to learn and connect with others. The environment that's guided about, guided by the child, by the children, what they need, where they are developmentally. Lesson plan activities that are centered around those needs and interests. Um, and responsive caregiving, it supports spontaneous exploration, right? Not rushing to do it for them, letting them kind of figure it out spontaneously in the moment. And it also big part of it is adapting and changing us, adapting and changing as adults and providers based on what we notice and see about the, the cues the children are giving us, those nonverbal and verbal cues, right? So a provider's sensitivity and responsiveness really just strongly influences how each child will act toward and feel about other people or themselves. You know, we have the power to give that positive lens for children to view their life. So providing responsive care for children means that they feel emotionally secure and are able to explore their world confidently, which in turn supports their emerging identity, their sense of self, those things that we talked about above with young infants, mobile infants and toddlers, their emotional needs and motivations, right? So when we provide this responsive care, children learn that they can make things happen. You know, they're encouraged to send more messages, right? They're, if they cry and their need is met, they know if I cry, my need gets met. So they cry more and differently. Toddlers use babble or gestures to get their needs met. You know, it's we're encouraging them to continue to communicate with us because we've responded to their previous communication. Therefore, they build their self-esteem, right? And we continue to build those positive child provider relationships and, you know, establish security, trust, and confidence in the world where they are nurtured. And that sense of self is supported. So, okay, great. Now you get a little bit of social, emotional characteristics, motivations, and you know what responsive care is. So now let's talk the very basics of how you put it into practice. So the first step of responsive caregiving, put it into practice, is noticing both the nonverbal and verbal cues of children like we talked about above. And then that next step in this process is to ask yourself, hmm, what messages are those verbal and nonverbal cues telling me? What are the, what messages are the, am I seeing from that child if I let them spontaneously explore them, if I let them start to problem solve? And then the third step, the third step is to adapt our process, our, um, expectations, our activities, our actions, and adapt them to based on what we have seen that the child needs. 
right? So in short, you're going to watch, ask, adapt, and then repeat, (laughs) right? Because you can't get all the information about one child in one watching session, right? Kids grow and develop every day. They're different at different times of the day. They're different when they're hungry. They're different when they're tired. They're different when there's different people around. So we should be watching all the time throughout the day, right? So so with that watch, right, it's observing. And I don't mean just sitting there and not interacting and just watching, but watching while you play, giving them your full attention. Again, that not rushing to do things for them. Um, just again, just watching both the verbal and nonverbal cues. So just watch everything. <laughs> you know, as humans, we use our whole body to communicate. So when we're watching children, we have to be looking at all the communicational cues. 80% of what you communicate is just through your body language alone. So glances, facial expressions, sounds, body language. And here's the other thing to understand where children are coming from you have to be on their level. So get down on their level. See what they see. What does your room look like if you get down on your knees or if you sit on your bottom so that you are closer to their height or even lay down on the floor? What are they seeing? So that second step to beginning to implement responsive caregiving is ask. Wonder. What message is the child sending me with those cues, with that, with that interaction, with everything that they're doing? You know, what are the emotional, social, intellectual, physical parts of that message? What are they telling me by what they're doing? Does that child want something from me? Do they want something from a peer? Do they need help? What do they need right now? And how can I provide it? Be a partner and ask the child, um, you know, by asking the child, you're inviting them to answer you, to be that partner, to build that relationship, to build that communication. And even if that child is a young infant that doesn't talk, it's still great to practice and ask them, what did you need? How can I help you? Oh, I see your face is doing this. Are you telling me that you're sleepy? And we have to keep in mind that we also, when we ask, remember 80% of what you've done is through your body language. So your facial expressions, your, the, the way that you are shaping your body when you're interacting with children and asking these questions and the, and the actions that go with that, that's really important. And remember, like I said above, you have to keep asking, just like you have to keep observing, you have to keep asking, right? Because interests of children um, shift, change. And so you got to keep checking in, making sure that that's still where you are. That's still the help they need. Maybe it looks like they need help, but you've been responsive interacting and you've been giving them the skills and the tools to do it. It's just taking them a little bit longer or they've taken what you've given them and they've adapted it on their own. So it looks different. So just keep asking, do you want my help or can you do it by yourself? And then that last step to implementing responsive caregiving is to adapt. And I would say, at least for me, when I was um, first a teacher in the classroom, I think this is probably the hardest step, right? Because I can watch all day long and see what I see and I can ask really great questions. But then that last step of adapting my practice and my my interaction strategies or my... Um, 
my tools, my skills, my plans, right, is a little bit, could be a little bit more difficult, especially depending on how many children you have, the ages you have, what the setting is like. But when we adapt, we change our actions according to what we believe the child needs or is motivated by or desires, right? We're reflecting the child's emotions while, you know, regulating our own emotions because we can't help children regulate if we aren't regulated. We watch how the child responds to our interactions because maybe when we were watching and asking, we didn't get it right, which is okay. We're going to try again. But we have to watch how the child responds to us because that may, we may have to adapt in the, in the moment to the situation. Um, again, modifying your actions according to the child's response. Watch, ask, adapt again, 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 over and over and over. Our actions should always be linked to reading the child's messages. After watching and asking, then you will know how to adapt your response and your actions. And you know, the thing is, sometimes we might not know what the infant and toddler needs, right? And the way that we adapt to the child may not help them in the moment, may not solve the problem. But I really truly believe that that child will feel our empathy, our kindness, our responsiveness, our desire to help them in that moment, right? Think about when you've thought an infant wanted to eat, you got the bottle all fixed and, you know, heaven forbid if it was breast milk, right? And then come to find out they weren't hungry at all. They just needed to be held, right? It's okay to miss the mark. Just do it with kindness, care, and good intention, and then try again. So all infants and toddlers learn and develop through repeated interactions and through involving relationships with trusted adults, in order to have intentional interactions with children, we have to be available to them, both physically and emotionally, for them to want to engage with us, for them to want to give us cues, for them to want uh, want us to ask and adapt for them. Infants and toddlers are always intentionally trying to interact and engage with us. But we as adults are not always intentional in our interactions with the children. And that is where you go back to that watch, ask, adapt. And to make sure that when we're watching, that we aren't watching for something, right? I mean, there are times, right? If you're trying to determine a child's developmental skill on something, you might be watching for that, But remember that confirmation bias that we've talked a lot about in different episodes. If you're watching to confirm that that child is, you know, unsafe or aggressive or whatever, that's what you're going to see. And I think that makes us less likely to ask questions that get us information to help us adapt. It has us ask questions like, why did you do that? What are you doing? Right? So thinking about what you're watching for And that, again, that we are intentional in our interactions while we are watching, asking, and adapting. So like I said at the beginning, this information is from a training about responsive caregiving for infants and toddlers by my colleague, Ashley Webster. 
please, please, please enroll in this training. It is such a good training. And like I said, I only gave you the basics and the overview. She has some more um, strategies, some more suggestions, helpful things that I think would be so helpful to continue to build your practice. So if you've listened this far, we have a little surprise for you this week. If you would like to be entered in a drawing for a very cool prize, what I'd like for you to do is on the social media platform that you follow us on, and we are on Facebook and Instagram, I'd like you to go to the post that came out today that's the new episode post, and in the comments, tell us your favorite candy, and that will go through the following week. So when this episode posts on Wednesday, that post will go up and it, we will let it run through to the next Wednesday. And that's when we will, um, that's when we will announce our winner. So remember, if you like our podcast, please spread the word, tell people about it, um, write us a review, give us five stars, reach out, holler, give us topics, things you want to hear about. We thank you so much for your support. And we'll see you next week. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casito Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and the Casito Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Child Care and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at kidsthesedayspod and Twitter at ktdpod. Be sure to check out the Be sure to check out the resources for the episode in the show notes. And don't forget to hit subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes. Music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod.